Good evening, everybody. If you got a Bible there with you, we're going to be in Philippians. Philippians chapter number 4. And we're going to be in verse, verse number 6. We want to read from Philippians chapter number 4 and verse number 6. Some, sometimes the Lord <clears throat> has to wake you up. I know. <laughs> Hope you all like my picture tonight. Uh, I actually, I, I'm going to show you the original one, and you can't tell anybody, but I'm going to show you the original one. It's this one. It's Johnny Cash and the, and the uh, Tennessee, too. So, <laughs> you're not really supposed to amen things like that, Brent. It's just the Word of God that you need to amen. But uh, I figured Edward would like that. I might have took that picture out of one of his cars back in the day, right? Uh, oh, it's Ford. Never mind. <laughs> Uh, I, I try to get illustrations so that kind of relate some things. And, uh, and I also try to preach every time things that uh, have uh, spoken to me and God has like really uh, given to me. And uh, Monday um, morning, uh, well, actually, Monday we went through the day and did a lot of things uh, for at the 50 that's coming up. And uh, um, then come home tired and was trying to go to bed and about one o'clock the Lord woke me up and there are times that Lord wakes me up that uh, I'm trying to figure out if it's him that really wakes me up or if it's uh, just you know in, you know not being able to sleep or if it's things on my heart and stuff and so immediately like 12 30 I'm going all right Lord are you trying to say something are you trying to talk to me you know you can call back I can I'll be back up at five and uh, but I try to hurry through things and I'm trying to tell the Lord Lord, if you need to speak to me, then, then tell me what it is. I, I'm, I'm listening, you know, and I'm ready. And uh, at about 1 o'clock, I just, I just got up, and uh, Patty was gone. She didn't even know I had moved. And so I went out to our recording studio and sat down and was reading and was praying and praying for some friends and that, are having, that were having surgeries and different things that are going on in people's lives. And, and I'm trying to just tell the Lord, Lord, you know, I'm tired. What is it you want to say? What do you want to say? And sometimes we want to hurry God along when uh, it's not that he intentionally keeps us up sometimes. And it's not that he has to speak to you at 1 o'clock in the morning, but sometimes he does. And uh, are you ready? Are you trying to hurry him through the things he wants to teach you? Or are you just trying to fast forward at all? And that, that's what came to my mind. I'm, I'm real country. I'm real dumb. My level of understanding is way, way, way down here. And all I thought about was when I was young and Dad had that uh, we had the eight tracks, and, you know, and the eight tracks came out. And Brother Joey, uh, he'll tell you, uh, he's convinced that they had all this stuff like MP3s and CDs and everything. They, they made it all at once. And he's convinced that they only brought it out at a piece at a time in order to make more money off of it. And uh, that it's always been there and the technology's been there. But you can really see how we've progressed as a nation in the things that we have. Um, even in simply our phones and stuff like that. It, I, I saw a picture the other day where... There was a Walkman, stacks of CDs, games, and all this stuff, or stacks of tapes and games and all this, and TVs and radios and boomboxes, and it's all in our phones nowadays, uh, wrapped up in something small. And we try our best to make things great, and we put them into smaller packages. But I remember whenever I was little, and man, we, my dad had some eight tracks, and I'm sure he had a little bit of Johnny Cash in Tennessee too, and, um, but we had some Alabama. I don't know if you live in Alabama, you have to know Alabama, the country group. And uh, I remember that 8-track. That and I remember I'd always want to get to my favorite song. You know, the closer you get. 
I didn't know we were going to sing it. I thought y'all might just say it, but, uh, you know, uh, we're going to sing it. But I remember you'd get that song and you'd play it. And in order to get back to it, you had no rewind button at all. The only thing you could do is switch side to A or B and then fast forward. And then you would switch back to the other side and go, no, it's not there yet. And then you have to switch it back over. And it was always, everything was about fast forwarding. It was always that way. And uh, sometimes in our prayer lives, and I know that's a crazy illustration, but I hope you'll understand. Sometimes in our prayer lives, and sometimes when God's trying to speak, we're too busy trying to get to our favorite part of it. Sometimes in our own Christian life, we're too busy trying to get to our favorite part that we just want God to fast forward through all of these things so that we could get to some good parts of it. And, uh, you know, when death hits, everybody wants to fast forward. When someone dies, people want to, and what I call it is uh, they want to helicopter over everything. They don't ever want to go through it. They want to helicopter over it or fast forward. And uh, the other night when I was out in, in studio and I was praying, uh, God gave me the scripture, and I want you to read with me, uh, and I need to skip through this next slide to be able to get it to you. But the Bible says in verse number 6 of chapter 4 of Philippians, he says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Pray with me. Father, we thank you again for the time that we get to share together that we get to come together and it's like getting a chair pulling up to your table and just telling you how hungry hungry we are or telling you how thirsty we are and Lord just simply pulling up to the table just so that you can hear about how our day everything's gone Lord in that prayer time communion and sweet fellowship time uh, Lord I pray that you would just help us all of us that are Christians in here tonight to not understand the illustration part of it but Lord if it takes those things crazy things like that to teach me Lord, maybe it helped someone else out. But Lord, it's the scripture that has the power. And so Lord, we ask you tonight to please help us as we look at this scripture, one that probably many of these Christians in this church have read multiple times in their life, have heard, have seen, placed in people's homes. I ask you, Lord, that it would be dissected in such a way tonight that where we could understand it even a little bit clearer and have an understanding of verse 6 and 7 and what the church at Philippi needed. And God, it's the same thing that the church here at North Highland and all the churches need. Lord, we give you glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, look, look with me back at that verse um, in verse number 6. He's in the middle of all this. It's like Paul, he's got this letter. Actually, it's one of the, the rare times that when we see it move to chapter 4 that we're actually seeing a new train of thought come along. When the new train of thought happens. Paul's carried this letter uh, from the very beginning to the church at Philippi. And if you don't know this, church ha uh, Paul had a huge heart and loved the church at Philippi. They were very dear to him. Uh, you remember Epaphroditus, others that would bring the blessings to him. He, he loved this church. But they also knew that inside this church that they had issues, they had problems, just like we all do. I know as much as we think that your family's perfect or your family's perfect, when you deal with any family... Uh, you, you have issues, you have problems, you have arguments, you have trials, you have fights sometimes, you know. And within any tree, pecan tree, there's branches, there's roots, there's the trunk, but there's also those crazy nuts that are on there too, you know. And so in every family, it's the same way. But you deal with it, why? Because it's family, because you love family. Uh, we say the thing around in the South a lot of times is that I can talk about my family, 
but you can't talk about my family, right? <laughs> but uh, you don't realize that everybody's talking about your family. But uh, this scripture, they were having problems, and actually Paul names two of the ladies that were uh, causing some of the stir. Now, I'm not going to do that tonight. We may wait till next Wednesday to do that, but I'm not going to do that tonight. But they were having issues where... It could have been one where they were arguing over, you know, carpet, whatever, all that stuff, probably not Paul's name, but just stuff, and they actually caused a division. It was actually a schism, a, a, a divider that was in the church, and it, and it wasn't one that seemed to be a big, huge, sinful thing, like something that divided the Corinthian church. In the church at Corinth, you know, what divided them was when the, the man was having a sexual relationship with his mother-in-law and having fornication and adultery, all those things, so... It wasn't that kind of division because Paul didn't come in or out of the gate preaching about sinful things, but it was a division that actually caused them to, uh, when they were trying to focus and trying to function as a church, that they still wasn't really clicking very good. Uh, years ago, we had this Chevrolet truck, and uh, <clears throat> we, we put a new transmission in, I think it was like maybe three or four times that we actually had to work on that thing, and it had a 350 in it, you know, and one night I was driving a girlfriend home, and I turned the road, and you know, like we do, and I, I, I gassed it a little bit, you know, and uh, floored it, and uh, it messed the transmission up, but something was going on, and every time we took it back, we were trying to get it fixed, but when it actually fell apart, we took it to Gardendale Transmission, we just couldn't figure it out, dad is the mechanic, we did all that. We did, got all the plates. It was an automatic transmission. We did all the plates. We did everything. And as a teenager, I'm trying to understand how this stuff works and what's going on. And I'm telling you that we couldn't get the thing to go in reverse. It would go forward, but it wouldn't go in reverse. And uh, didn't want to keep it that way. You know, you might need to go in reverse sometimes. And so what happened, we took it to them, and they broke it all down. And, man, you would not believe, but in the very, very, it's front but back, so to say, of that transmission, there's this plate, and it's a reverse plate, and it's almost like a cup. And within that cup, they said that probably or possibly a small grain of metal or even a grain of sand had gotten in there, and it had bled through and had a small needle-top hole in that thing. And, man, it drove Dad crazy. It drove, you know, going back and forth and trying and money and spending money to get it done. And all it was was that one thing that caused an irritation and it wouldn't let the truck go in reverse. And you sat there, and when you looked at it, when actually they gave us the plate back, you'd look at it and go, what? How could that cause all of the other stuff in there not to go in reverse? Because it wouldn't hold the pressure. And so it kept just pushing out. And so that's what Paul experienced in this church at Philippi. There was just one small grain of sand inside of an engine can destroy things. Uh, one small... Uh, Bad spot, we know, on apples and other things. Ruins the whole bunch we hear all the time, right? Because it has a way of just bleeding over and affecting. And so Paul told them in Philippians 4, he started up there in verse number 1 and went through, and he told them, Euodice and Sintachi, uh, uh, her name, I can't, think, I can't pronounce that very well, but he actually called them out in front of everyone in that letter that was sent to the church. And he was telling them that I understand the division. I understand that I'm beseeching both of you that you mind the same thing in the Lord. And what he was saying is, is that you bring your minds together. And when you bring your minds together, your thoughts, he's saying, you need to get your hearts mended right. And I don't know if you know this or not, but even in dealing with churches, you still have problems. 
In churches, although you look at it and everybody says they're saved and they're born again and they're going to heaven, their name is, is written and they know it, everything is there, like we're going to talk about in just a second, all of this wonderful stuff, you still have problems because you know why? You're dealing, look at them, you're dealing with this, you're dealing with people. And sometimes when the flesh is fed more than the spirit, you'll have a problem. And it will cause irritation within the church. And then before long, it actually breaks down the functioning of the church. And uh, it's sad to say, but there are churches that close all the time. There are churches that close. And let me ask you something. Do you actually think that the Lord is the one that is wanting to close them? After understanding all those churches so far, the six churches of Revelation that we've talked about, the seventh this Sunday, I don't think that Jesus ever wanted any of those churches to not repent. I think he wanted them all to do the right thing. Right? But they close because they won't repent and won't do what God says. And so, therefore, they allow that small thing to grow and grow and grow and get big. And so, the Bible says that He entreated these people. He said, These are true yoke fellows. And what He's talking about, these are true believers, workers that are with us. Look at verse 3 if you got your Bible open. He says, I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, those. Uh, help those women, all the others, these, these men, these women, everybody together. Help those women which labored, it says, with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers. And look at this, whose names are in the book of life. He said, these are not of the seat and synagogue of Satan, and they're causing division. He, did, he said, this is not a diatrophies that wants the preeminence in the church and wants the power position. He's not saying that this is uh, uh, one of those uh, temple worshiping of Artemis or Diana or Bacchus or any of those others. He said, these people that I'm trying to get you to help, these are Christians. These are followers of my Father. These are those whose names are written in the book of life. And we know that if your name is written in the book of life, which is also called the Lamb's book of life, that there is no, amen, there is no way we lose our salvation. You believe you can't lose your salvation, right? Amen? These people are a part of it, and Paul even recognized that and said the statement. He said they need to work together, and you need to help them to work together to get over this petty stuff. Verse 4, he says you need to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He said let your moderation be known unto all men. He said why? Because the Lord is at hand. He said let everything come together. What, what is Paul saying here? The same thing that Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 says. It says not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Even so much more as you see the day approaching. In other words, he's saying the, the day of the Lord is at hand. Paul believed that we need to be prepared since the day that Jesus went away. Paul believed, Brother David, that we need to be prepared to meet him at any moment. At the twinkling of an eye. Paul said we're in the last days. And many people have said, well, Brother Steve, he said we were in the last days and we're still living here. But we're still in the last days. We're not waiting on anything else to happen except for him to come. And so Paul said, guys and ladies, people, workers in the house of God, you need to come together and not argue over if we've got pews or seats, if you've got lights that are LED or if they're regular uh, incandescent lights. You don't need to argue about the style of music and you don't need to argue about clothing and all this. Thing. He's saying you need to stop all these divisions and you need to come together because the day of the Lord's at hand and we don't need to spend all of our time doing what? Arguing about petty, small, and foolish little things. So then he moves into this. He says, be careful for nothing. Now that's not Paul, and in the King James Version right here, I want to help you out. It's not Paul saying that being careful that you need to just watch your step kind of careful. 
What he's saying here, the word is actually translated to be anxious for nothing. The Bible says that in the Greek, this word is merimano, and it means to not be troubled with cares or to look out like, as far as like being so wrapped up and allowing your emotions to drive you instead of God's word driving you. And he's saying, don't be anxious for anything. In other places of the scripture where this same word is found is in Matthew chapter 6. If you want to write it down, verse 25. He told them that they should take no thought for your life. He told them, don't take thought for the things you will wear, the raiment. Don't take thought for the things you'll eat. That doesn't mean that God didn't say that we shouldn't worry about picking our clothes and just go in the closet and just go and just get something. You need to dress nice. It doesn't mean that you don't need to wash your clothes. You need to wash your clothes, right? Everybody, can somebody, Brent, you're free to amen that. And you need to do, we need, we need you know, because everybody always says in the South, uh, you know, Scripture says cleanliness next to godliness. It's not there. I believe the teaching's there, but that's not in, I think that's in you, chapter 4, verse 6. But, <laughs> but you don't go and say, well, you know what, I'm not going to think about anything to eat today, and so I'm not going to go and work in that way, because God's just going to send me something. You're going to sit there for another raven over and over and over, when you need to look at the scripture also that says, uh, man, he that does not work does not eat. Now, that is scriptural, amen? But in that sense... God's not telling you to don't take thought for your raiment, your clothing, your life, your food. What he's saying is, is that if you're a child of God, you are not supposed to tie your emotions together with the Word of God. You're supposed to trust Him. You're supposed to know and not be anxious about, oh no, what will we do? Oh no, where will we go? How will I be clothed? How will I do this? He's saying when you are faithful, He is faithful. He is faithful even when you are not faithful, amen, because He cannot deny Himself. Uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 41, talks about this same word. Marimano. It says this same word. Do you remember? Uh, I love to talk about it, especially when Martha's here, because the Bible says that Mary and Martha had a feast celebration for Jesus there and uh, uh, Lazarus, the sisters of Lazarus. And the Bible says that Martha was worshiping at the feet of Jesus. I mean, uh, excuse me, Mary was worshiping at the feet of Jesus. But it says Martha was in the kitchen and that... She was working and working. She came out to the Lord and said, Lord, do you not care? Uh, tell my sister to get up and come on in here and help us to cook. And you remember what Jesus said? He said, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. Another scripture said you're cumbered. Uh, and what it means is he said you are careful. It doesn't mean that she was careful in slicing the tomatoes. He said you are worried about that. And you're worried about how many to feed. And you're allowing your emotions because you are working to override why you're working. Church, there's so many of us that do that. There's so many of us that come home from a bad day of work and you're gritting your teeth to where, as I've said before, you could take a steel ball bearing and flatten that thing because you're so mad. And you're gritting your teeth and you actually forget the purpose of the working. And listen to me now, before you get mad at me, just hang in there one second, okay? Like a hair in a biscuit, just stay in there. You get so mad about it, it's because you don't have the right perspective. And you say, how do you know this? I know, I understand. I, I'm there many times, been there before. But you're not working for retirement, you're not working for paychecks. And we do, we think that. In our society, that's what we think. Because why? We don't work, we don't get a paycheck. If we don't work, we don't have retirement. If we don't work, we don't have insurance and all those things, right? But the Bible tells you that whatsoever your hand findeth to do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. And what we need to realize is that 
there is a greater purpose and there's a greater people that's watching you and looking at you while you are working. Now, I'm not saying that you always need to be like those little short guys and whistle while you work and that everything's always just rosy, but you need to realize there are people watching you and when you take that thing and you sling it across the house or you sling it across the, the work floor and you're pitching a fit and doing all those things, those people are watching you and they don't see you in your dress clothes. They don't see you in your steel clothes. They don't see you in your work clothes. They don't see you in that. No, all they see, and even if you're not even wearing one, is a big old shirt that says Christian. Because when you blow your lid and you do all those things, you know what they see? I thought you were a Christian. When you blow up and you say things and all that garbage that you've put in your ears and in your eyes, and then it finally comes out and you go, why in the world would I say that? Because that's what we put in. What we've put in comes out. What's in the well, the bucket brings up, right? So uh, they see that happen and they do that all the time. They go, oh, I thought you were a Christian. Jesus told Martha, he said, you're anxious and you're laboring and you're working. He, but what he said, though, he says, Mary chosen that good part. What he was saying is, is that, you know, I don't believe that she was wrong for what she was doing, do you? I don't believe that Martha was wrong for cooking. I don't think that Martha McCurry's ever been wrong for cooking. It's always been good to me, right? But what happened was is how she was doing it, and because of her anxiousness, anxiousness and her tying it to the emotions of it all and not doing it out of love, out of service to the Lord, realizing that sometime I will be at the feet, sometime I will be in the kitchen. That's where she was wrong at, but... Uh, Jesus said, you're anxious and you're troubled. Here's the other one, the last one on that. Luke chapter number 12, verse number 11. The Bible says that Jesus said, he told the disciples, he said, you will be delivered up unto kings and unto people. And he says, and they will, you know, basically they're going to torture you, they're going to kill you, they're going to lead you away and all that stuff. Jesus told them this. He said, take no thought for what you shall say in that moment. For in that moment, I will speak through you. In Luke chapter number 12, verse number 11. I will speak through you. That doesn't mean that you go, well, you know what, I'm not going to study the Word because the Bible says that I shouldn't think about it because God's going to speak through me. It, it, that, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be prepared if somebody, because then that takes away from the Scriptures that tell you that you need to be ready to give an answer to every man that asks of the hope that lies within you with meekness and fear. It does, that Scripture's got to flow all together. What he's saying about taking no thought for what you shall speak, he's saying do not be anxious in those moments whenever you are before the people and about to speak for me. And what he means for me, Brother Brandon, he means that he says speaking my words. What it is is that when we are speaking the words of the Lord, we should not tie our emotions to it and be anxious about it because if they reject it, we shouldn't feel anxious about it because it's not our word. They did not reject us. They rejected the truth of God's word. Then also, if they receive Christ, we shouldn't walk around and talk about all the people that we've won to the Lord because it is God's word that convicted them and grace that reached down from God's sovereign hand that saved them. Amen? And so what he's saying is, is don't be anxious and thinking, oh no, I'm not going to say the right thing. Do you know how many people every single year when we talk about any kind of messages that deal with soul winning and we should be sharing our faith and we should be witnessing every single day. Every, I'm telling you, every time I've ever preached that, ever, people come to me and say, I just can't say it like you, Brother Steve. I, I don't know how to speak like you. Patty and, and I were out visiting at Crossover uh, when we went out a few months back, maybe a month ago in June. And we were knocking on doors. Brother Brent was with us, and uh, we're knocking on doors and stuff. And about three or four of them in, you know, Patty looks over, at, uh, three or four that were home, Patty looks over at me and she says, you know everything to say. And I'm like, what? 
She says, you know, everything that's like, you, you know all the people in the whole world, and you tie everybody together, and when you walk on the porch, you start talking to them about a door or a window or something in their house, and you just start this conversation. You're like, I don't know how to do that. And I'm like, well, I'm an extrovert. You know, I'm the person that's like that kind of outside person. Patty's an introvert. Patty's going to help people and does not realize how many people that she has helped throughout the years that she's been walking with Christ. But so many times I hear these words, she said, I just can't say it like you. There's been so many people to do that. Let me say something. You're not supposed to think that way. Children of God, listen, daughters and sons of God, you're not supposed to try to preach it like Billy Graham. I'm so thankful that I don't preach like Billy Graham. You know how awkward that would be? To speak like Billy Graham, you know, I just couldn't do it. You know what I mean? We've got some literature in the back. We'll hold the buses for you. No, I can't do it. So I can't do those things. Yeah, he would say, won't you come? He would say that all, won't you come? I can't do that. I've got to be who I am and preach the gospel and share the gospel that the Lord has shown me and given me. And you can't be anxious in that. You can't sit back. It's been many years since I've tried to actually be like a preacher. I wanted to be like a preacher evangelist that used to come through, man. And I, I'd practice up and I'd share their stories, their illustrations, because I was 19 years old. I didn't have any illustrations. You know what I mean? They're talking about all this stuff. I didn't have anything and I didn't realize until he talked with me, with me one day and he said, illustrations come, son, with experience later in life. Right? You've got to share what you know and your experiences and stuff. So that's why I gave you the eight-track illustration tonight. <laughs> Look with me at the verse number six. He says, be careful, be anxious for nothing. Look at the second thing. He says, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. He says, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And I know that you've been through the power and prayer that they just did in the one-to-one. But the Bible says, do not be anxious for anything at all. Anything. Words you'll speak, as Jesus said. What you'll wear, what you'll eat, as Jesus said. Giving thought for uh, the cares of working in the kitchen or worshiping at the feet. Don't get all wrapped up in that. One of the worst things that churches and Christians, we do today is we can't separate sometimes our emotions from true worship. And this is what happens. Emotions, because you're emotional, that doesn't bring worship. But because you're in worship, sometimes it stirs up the emotions. It causes you to be stirred. But don't get it twisted around. We need to understand that worship sometimes is in crying, weeping. It's in just adoration. Worship, you remember I told you, is defined as leaning over and petting the dog and the dog licking your hand. That's what the word worship in the Greek is translated as, as the dog is licking the master's hand. And that's what we're doing when we worship the Lord. And he says, don't be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer. You know, the Bible tells us that we ought always to pray. The Bible tells us that if there's something we should do more and more is that we should pray. Please don't raise your hand and please don't answer out loud. But I wonder how many of us in here have an actual prayer life. Not prayer time, but prayer life. I'm talking about where you know you seek God. There are times in my prayer life, church, that I'm talking to him. And I get so wrapped up in talking that I forget sometimes and I'm not really being real sincere. Okay, I'm going to confess my stuff since I don't know you. There are other times that I just take it and I write it down. And I start writing my prayer out to God. 
and I'm so detailed. I'm so intimate. I'm so relaxed. You know, even in the moments you're doing this and you're getting back down to riding, you're so wrapped up in that. And you're really specific with God. And there are times that I go back now and I go and read in my prayer journal things where I couldn't see God at that time, and now I can see where he was and where he answered and did those things. If there's something that I could share with you tonight that you need to have, you need to have more, more, listen to me, more than your attendance, more than your knowledge about how many books are in the Bible, all those things, more than that, you need to have prayer time with God. You, need, you say, well, what is it like, Brother Steve? It is defined as communion with God. It is fellowship. It is relationship with God, and you need that. Now, here's what happens. People get saved, and then they also say, Receive, I don't, I don't know how to talk to him. I want you to understand something. None of us did. No one in here did. No one in here fully understood. Most people in here, they would tell you, all of these guys, all of these ladies in here would tell you that their prayer life in some ways was patterned by their mother or their dad hearing them pray and how they talked to God. And they realized by hearing them pray that they could talk and approach God in that same way. Some people's prayer lives are patterned after the people they go to church with and they say, they hear them and they hear how they talk. And you say, really? I've seen it. There, there's been times where a gentleman has prayed here and uh, then a brand new believer, they're excited about the Lord and we ask them to pray. They started out the same way. They ended in the same way. And it's not to be repetitionist, but we don't know how to do that. And you say, Rusty, well, how dare you? When I got saved, I knew exactly what to say. Well, aren't you the golden star disciple? We don't. Even Jesus' disciples that were there with him in Luke 11, 1, turned to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples to pray. And Jesus had to help them, not with a model that you always say all the time just before you're going to go out on a football field and think that that's very productive. No, it's not what it's about. He teaches them a model of what you should do. You come to the Lord in worship. You come to the Lord in confession. You come to the Lord with thanksgiving. Then you come to the Lord with your request. In this scripture, he says, do not be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer. And then also in prayer, he ties this, Paul ties this other word, supplication, there with it. And you say, man, that's a big old word. But what it is, it's talking about prayer is our spiritual relationship with God. But in supplication, it is bringing our request of the physical realm, the needs of the physical, that we're saying, God, our supplications, things that are bothering us. You know, church, we love doctors and we love hospitals. We, love, we, we live in a great place where we can go to the dock anywhere. And we gripe about it probably more than anybody because of a waiting room. But I'm telling you, when you're out in the middle of Marble Ha in Belize and you are literally seven to eight hours away from the nearest hospital and i'm talking when i'm talking about a hospital i'm talking about one that you would pull up to that would be like the farmer's trading post and you go there's a doctor in there you know and you don't look like you're having that there's a doctor there one of our friends that is a pastor there brother stanley shared a picture of him when he was here brother ben uh his name is bendicto chun uh he's not but we call him brother ben and uh he's a little indian about this tall uh, his wife, the year I went to Belize, that, that December, his wife died in the back of the truck trying to get her to the hospital because they can't get them there. And dying from fevers and dying from uh, stomach issues of diarrhea, other things like that. They're things that we just, we can go down to CVS and get a remedy for. Uh, it's taking their lives because they can't get there, you know. And uh, getting on the bus doesn't really help them out. 
But, um, man, I'm telling you, just that kind of faith, we need to know that when we're sick, we can bring our prayers, our supplications to the Lord. But look, it, say, it says right here that there's got to be an additive with it. There has to be an additive. Uh, you know, when you go to the gas station and you pull the little handle now, now in some of the gas stations, they're asking you, would you like to add this in here? It cleans all of this stuff and blah, 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 blah. And t- you know, because it's an additive that helps you out. The, the Bible says right here that prayer and supplication, but it says with thanksgiving. When we come to the Lord, we don't come with anxiousness. Because why? Why would... Why do we not come with anxiousness? Because that's showing we don't trust God. When the reason he says to do not fear 365 times in the Bible, the reason that he tells us to not be anxious about anything, the reason he told the disciples that we're going to go to the other side in the middle of the night, Brother Matt, when the storm came and blew up and they were scared to death and thought they were going to die, the reason that Jesus stood up and he said, oh, you of little faith, was because why? Because they were anxious about the storm that was in front of them, but they were not holding on to the word of God that he said, we're going to go to the other side. God doesn't want you to fear. He does not want you to worry. He tells you that when you do that, then what it is, you are not trusting him. And what happens is, is that turns into pride because now you're only thinking about your problem, your issue, your situation, your struggle, your trial. But in this, he says, don't be anxious, but in every prayer and supplication, bring it with thanksgiving. You say, Brother Steve, my my wife has passed away. My son or my daughter or my husband has passed away. Or, Or Brother Steve, our church has split. Or Brother Steve, this bad thing has happened. How can I be thankful in those moments? Here's one way that you can be thankful in those moments. And never forget this. One single way that I know that even when I'm hurting and don't know what to say, how I can be thankful. I get to pray to an almighty God. I get to talk to one who does not have to talk back to me who does not have to give me access, he does not have to give me any thought of the day, but I have the honor and the privilege to be able to take what's going on in my life that is so small because he's way up here, Brother Keith, and I'm thinking that it's the biggest thing that I'm going through, but yet it's so small, and I'm taking it to an almighty God who created all things, and at a moment's word, at a word that he speaks, he can handle and calm my heart. That makes me thankful. It makes me thankful because there were times in people's lives of the Old Testament that the Jews would not let them approach the throne of God. There were times that they wouldn't let them come to the Ark of the Covenant or to to the veil in order to speak to an almighty God like that. There were times that even in Jesus' day, during the temple days, that they had a marker out in front on that wall of partition that separated them that said that no Gentile could come up on top of the priest court at all because they were unclean and they were vile. But the Bible says, when he was resurrected out of the grave the Bible tells us when he was crucified on the cross that not only did the veil rip from the top to the bottom but Paul said the middle wall of partition was torn down amen which gives us access now we can boldly go to the throne of God amen because of the blood of Jesus there is a reason there is a reason we can't see it sometimes but there is a reason to say Lord I'm bringing my prayer I'm bringing my need to you and I just want you to know I'm thankful that you hear me Here's where we are as Christians. We always want God to answer. And if we're honest, we always want God to answer in the most favorable way, right? We always want the yeses most every time. Uh, And I'm being honest with you, and you be honest with the Lord, okay? But when will we ever just stop and say, Lord, I'm not thankful when you answer yes or even when you answer no. I'm just thankful, not that you answer, but just simply that you hear me. Stop and think about it. We're talking about the God who 
formed rivers and valleys. That when he spoke, the Holy Spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep and land came out of the water. That when he spoke, life came, creatures all over the earth, that he formed Adam, made him into a man and sinews and flesh and all of that, and he breathed into him. And we have the honor to go, Lord, I'm thankful that I get to talk to you. You know, don't we, we really think it's something when we break a hip or something like that, God forbid, that happens to any of us. But when we're able to talk to someone like Andrew Sports Medicine, we get in with that doctor. You know what I'm talking about? We get in with Dr. Lee Mack, other things like that. What do we do? We begin to tell everybody, I got one of the best doctors. I, I actually think that uh, St. Vincent's need to have some kind of brick or plaque in honor of the Abneys there for the last two years. I mean, we, we've had to buy something, you know, there. And uh, the, one of the best doctors, one, my back doctor, Dr. Menendez, and the whole church is going. I, I told him, I said, man, I need like a, I at least should get like a $100 referral gift, you know. I mean, uh, and when they do surgery, I should at least get something, you know what I mean? But we tell them why, because they're the best doctors. We want everybody to have the best access to the best doctors. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're going through, you have the best access to the absolute best physician to the best counselor, to the best speaker and lover of the soul and heart, we get to talk to the Lord. Look at the other thing. It says, let your requests be made known unto God. Isn't it great that whenever we talk to him that we can just spill it out? I didn't mean spell it out. Spill it out. Have you ever been at that place where you were so torn or broken inside where you, you wanted to hug somebody and you just fell on them? You know what I'm talking about? I think of the picture of the prodigal son that come back and the father falling on him and kissing him on the neck, you know. I think about when I was young, just falling on my mom, you know, being hurt. Or my dad, there are times when I was evangelist that I'd come back brokenhearted because of pastors and preachers and the way that they lived and the things that they did that I had no idea that they were doing. And uh, I just, man, I'd fall and just brokenhearted. You know, isn't it amazing that we can just come and let our requests be made known to God? We can just lay it out there for him. And it's almost that there's times in sweet prayer to where it's almost that you can feel his breath on your ear as he's telling you, I love you. I love you. Just trust. Amen. Here's the last thing. If you do, let me show you this again. This is what we're supposed to do if you're writing notes. This is what we're supposed to do. Do not worry. In everything by prayer and supplication, putting the additive of thanksgiving, mixing it all together, Bring our request to God. That's what we're supposed to do. But here's the fruit if we do that other thing. Here's what we will receive if we put into faith and into action, verse number six, and the peace of God. You see, it ties it together. Let's read it. It says, be careful for nothing but everything by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God and the peace of God. Ties it all together, conjunction, brings it all together. I never thought when I was in elementary school learning conjunction I'd ever say that, right? Brings it all together, ties it together, and the peace of God. And I love this, I love this. He says, and the peace of God. It's almost like he brings it out. It's almost like a bottle rocket that's just went, shh. He says, and the peace of God. And then he takes time out to go, that passes all of our understanding. 
You see that Paul's there in the comment. He said, and the peace of God, which, by the way, passes all of our comprehension. It passes all of our thoughts of our mind. And what it means is, is that when we can't figure out all of these things, we don't know what's going on. This is what, I'm at 1 o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday. I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm saying, God, please let me go to sleep. If you want to speak to me, tell me what you want me to hear. And I'm ready to go to bed, and I'm trying to fast-forward him. I'm trying to get to what? The best part. The best part of sleep, right? It's just conked out. I had all intentions. You know, I'm like, all right, I'm going to get up at 4 because I knew I had to be somewhere, and I'm like, I won't get up at 4, be able to go to the hospital, all that. And I was like, Lord, you know i got to get up at 4. Go ahead. Tell me. Speak to me, Lord. You know? You know I, want, I wanted to be more bold, like, like I say, here. Hear my, speak to me, you know, hear my, send me, hear, speak, Lord. But all of a sudden, all I did was I went and read this, and I looked at that scripture, and it was like God was telling me, you're trying to hurry me. You're trying to hurdle over these things. And God knows we are people today that want to hurdle over, we want to helicopter over all kinds of things. We want to, go, we want to bypass funerals, we want to bypass doctor's reports, we want to bypass treatments. We want to bypass everything. We want to bypass livers and stomachs. We want to bypass all kinds of stuff. We want to get over it. Why? We want to be on this other end of it all. God didn't do that. God didn't do that for the children of Israel. Listen to me. God didn't say, children of Israel, look, all right, I know they're behind you. And uh, I'll tell you what, we're going to walk around. Or, you know, I got another way we're going to walk around. No, God was taking them through. Now, you got to think for one moment. They were anxious when the Pharaoh's army was behind them. But I'm going to ask you a question. When the sea is opened up and you're walking through it, I don't know how it was that day. I'm going to tell you something. You might be a little anxious looking at all that around you, army behind you, walls of water beside you, and you're trusting. You know what it is? If you want the peace of God, you have to trust Christ. You have to trust. If you don't trust him, you won't have it. The Bible says... Without anxiousness, let your prayer and uh, supplication with thanksgiving and your quest be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes your understanding, what does it do? It will keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Brother Rick, you know what that word keep in that scripture, it's a word that it means garrison. And it means that God will put an army, a garrison around your heart and your mind. It means that when you don't know, and Brother Ricky can testify, when you don't know what things may happen, what things may be, it's not that you do this and you say this, well, I can only turn to God. No. It's not that you can only turn to God because you can turn to whatever you want. You can turn to alcohol. You can turn to drugs. You can turn to people. You can turn in, into bitterness and all that. No, no, no. It's not that I can only go to God this time. It is I get to go to God with what's going on and that God's peace that passes that all of my thought process all of my understanding says that he will put a garrison around my heart and my mind and all I can see is is that God fighting for you God throwing back those thoughts fighting off those things as he is keeping your heart and your mind don't you need this tonight Man, isn't the word of God good? The Bible says, let, let me show you this scripture right here. The Bible says in, uh, it, it's not there, I don't think. But Brother Britt, will you put this on there for me? It's Psalms chapter number 88 and verse number 3. And we'll, 
when he gets it, we'll be able to read that. Psalms uh, chapter 88 and verse number 3 says, For my soul is full of troubles, and my life uh, draweth nigh unto the grave. You know, sometimes we are full of sorrows or full of troubles. Look, Brother, Brother Britt, look at Job chapter 14 and verse number 1. It says, Man that is born of woman is few days and full of trouble, full of sorrows. But in that, that scripture, we actually get to go and we take before the throne of God our prayer, our supplication. With thanksgiving, we give him our request. And that, the other night, it, 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 about finally 2.30, 1 o'clock, 2.30, almost 2.40, I'm sitting there and I'm going, Lord, I would have fast-forwarded through all of this. I'd have missed it. You're sitting here trying to speak to me. I'm trying to get thoughts out of my mind. I'm trying to get things out. And listen, that wasn't sinful thoughts. It wasn't uh, anxious thoughts of church like it has been in the past. It, it, not with those things. It was just, I couldn't shut my mind down. Uh, and it was like I was going, Lord, stop my mind. You know what I mean? It, it's like Patty with a frying pan. I'll stop it, you know. Uh, I'm just trying to shut things down. And I was telling God, I got to hurry up, Lord. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do some 50 stuff. I got out of the hospital. I got to do this. And I, it was like God said, won't you stop for a moment? Won't you come out here? Won't you let me speak to you? It wasn't for anybody else. It was for me. And the Lord said, I want to show you something. And after I got through it, I said, Lord, I could have just laid in the bed. Could have just kept wallowing back and forth and asking you to hurry up and get me through this night. Get me through this night. And I'd have missed out. And all of a sudden, I was awake. And I was just weeping. And I was going, God, you've always got something good for us. So let me say something to you as we close. Don't always try to just fast forward and flip back over to play your favorite song. Because sometimes life isn't your favorite song. Sometimes it's one of those songs you just can't seem to get off the radio. And you want to change it. Sometimes you've got to go through things. Sometimes we have to. And it's amazing just what God does and how he speaks to us. And you know, as I, I was praying with Brother Carl this afternoon, been praying for some friends and praying for some, I got a pastor friend of mine that also struggling. All of those things just come up. And, and, and I'm sitting there going, Lord, I'm okay. Brother Edward, I'm going, I'm okay. But he was giving me this. And so I was like, even all day today, I was like, Lord, why did you give me that? Why did you give me that? Sometimes we want to think that he gives it to you to give to other people. But that's not always the case. Let me share this with you. It may be that the Lord is also giving me that, speaking to me, in order to prepare me for one of those days where the song that's playing that I don't like and I want to fast forward through, that I'll be able to do what? Pick up out of the bucket what God gave me. So don't try to helicopter over your problems. Don't try to go around them or fast forward through them. Just say, Lord, I trust you enough to know that you'll never leave me. And that you're going to be right beside me as I go through it. Amen. I want to ask you to do something tonight. I want to ask you just for a moment to bow your heads. I just want you to think about yourself. Maybe you may think about somebody else. But I want you to think about yourself for just a moment. And what you may be going through. What may be happening with yourself. Is there something you've been trying to get over, get through, fast forward through, helicopter over? You want it to be done with? I ask you tonight to just trust the Lord. I'm going to ask you tonight in your own simple words, not aloud, in your heart to him, through the Spirit, to let your request be made known to him. Just tell him. Just tell him what it is. If it's you, 
it's family, if it's friends, if it's church, whatever it is, bring it to him and just be thankful. Say, Lord, never realized that even in my sorrow that I could be thankful because I can get to talk to you.